Hey, and welcome to today's episode. Today, I'm going to talk about mindfulness. A few years ago, I went to a yoga class. This was about a year after my second second boy was born. And I went to a yoga class with a lovely teacher called Anne. And I had never really done any yoga before. This was my first experience. And I had heard right and left, which I'm sure you have as well, that yoga was really good for well-being and for connecting to yourself. And I thought, well, I should try this thing. And this was a Hatha yoga class. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. That's not important. What's important is that almost every yoga class ends with the, um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but the Savasana or something, um, which is a corpse pose where you, you basically lie on the, uh, on the ground, on your mat as a corpse and and you have to lie still for, I don't know, so to relax at the end of a class. And Anne said to us before, before going into this uh, pose, she says, this is the most difficult yoga pose there is. So I thought, oh dear, I, I just done an hour of really difficult poses. <laughs> so I didn't know what to expect. But then she, she explains what we have to do and we lie down and, and she's, she does a little guided um, meditation, tells us to relax the body and just to find some stillness and calmness. And for the first time in my life, I felt this thing, this something that felt completely at peace, something deep inside of me. It was something I'd never experienced before, and it was absolutely amazing. After about five or ten minutes, it wasn't very long, she pulls us out of this field, this pose and we end the class and afterwards I thought my goodness what was that and and when can I do that again well what I realized was that for a moment just for a brief moment I had found some stillness inside of me deep inside of me some peace and quiet and calm and it felt absolutely amazing If you live in Luxembourg, you know that every summer there is a Schoberfoa, which is a fair. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's a very, very old fair with many rides and many stands and many games. And, and it, it's very, very noisy. When you walk through uh, the Schoberfoa, you, you, you have people left and right yelling at you to buy from them and to eat this and do that. And... And, it, and there's loud music from all corners. And it's very, very loud. And for many people, I think we, you can't stay there too long because it's, it's, it's very distracting on the mind. But I realized at some point that my mind was actually like the Shobafoa. Every day I had a mind that was so loud of different voices yelling at me to do this, do that, don't do that, think this, do that. And this is contributed a lot to, this is what contributed a lot to my stress, the stress that I was under. And I didn't even realize it because it had become so normal for me 
uh, to have this mind. I'd had it for so many years that I didn't even know that it was that there was something wrong. It wasn't until I started to quiet down, calm my mind, find that inner calm and peace that I realized how noisy my mind actually was. Now, mindfulness is what I want to talk about. And what we need to understand is that our thoughts affect our body. When we have negative thoughts or images in our minds, um, our body contracts, it tightens, and it kind of um, prepares to attack somehow. And so not only am I, is my mind very loud and noisy, but it's going to affect my body as well. And this is why it's, it's, also, it's such an important um, topic to think about, to, to deal with, because when your body is tense and tight and contracted like this, it's an, in, in an alert position, it's like it's on fight and flight mode all the time. And this is what causes inflammation. This is what causes disease, cancer, um, all very unpleasant feelings in the body which we want to avoid uh so this is why this this topic is so so important for health and well-being so i want to talk about the doing mode of our minds this is the problem solving part of our mind and it's a very useful part of our mind it's the one that helps us achieve goals it it helps us um solve work-related technical problems it it helps us uh, do what we need to do. It, it kind of closes the gap between where we want to be and where we are right now. For instance, I'm at home. I know I need to go to work. Um, so this is the doing part of my brain tells me to go to my car, drive to work, get out of my car, go into the office, sit down, do my work. These, this is the part of the brain that manages our daily routine and... It's what it's it's this amazing part that also makes us build pyramids and skyscrapers and put a man on the moon. It, it we we can't live without. Like this is a very uh, useful part of our brain, and it also works the other way around. If there's something we don't want happen, it it widens the gap. So if we don't want to cross the road, for instance, it will tell us not to cross the road. It will, the brain will make us help us go the other way. And this works really well for external problems. But when we use this mechanism for internal problems, it can become a disaster. Because we cannot problem solve our emotions. You see, when it comes to emotions, and we try to fill the gap between where we are and where we want to be, like how we should be feeling about something, then this makes us really unhappy. For instance, if you're meditating and you're angry about the fact that thoughts keep coming into your head, uh, you want to have an empty head, but you don't have an empty head. So where you are right now is that you don't have an empty, you, you have lots of thoughts and where you want to be is that you don't have any thoughts. And you're trying to 
um, close that gap, to problem solve that part, it will, um, it, it, it just won't, you'll become more angry, it won't work. When we try to rationalize our problem, it'll just make us more unhappy. When we try to think our way out of our moods, this is when this doesn't, this doesn't work. Um, the metaphor, a really good metaphor is uh, the beach ball. When you have a beach ball, this is your emotions. You hold it on a water. You push the emotion down. You try to keep it away um, or you're in denial about the emotion. Eventually, this emotion, this beach ball will jump back up into the air, into your face. And usually with a greater force than, than what it was uh, to begin with. So what do we do? What's the antidote of the problem-solving mode, the doing mode of your mind? Well, it's the being mode of the mind. And uh, let's get into that a little bit more deeper. So what is mindfulness? The, the, the most accurate or the best definition that I could find is that it's the awareness that emerges through paying attention on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally to things as they are. It means paying attention to the, th to the way things actually are as opposed to how you want them to be. And why does this work? Because it's the antidote to the ruminative thinking that makes us unhappy, that, that makes our mood low. So by practicing mindfulness, this shifts us into the being mode so that we can be more at peace with our emotions. And what I find uh, really interesting here is the, the sentence um, about paying attention on purpose. It's not just about paying attention, but paying attention on purpose. And that to me means that you turn off the autopilot, you, you turn off the automation, and we pay attention on purpose. You know, we, we are aware of the fact that our thoughts are actually just passing mental events. They're not reality, but they're just passing events. This way we can experience life through our body, our senses, and not just through these thoughts that we're so used to, they become habitual thoughts. And paying attention, when we pay attention more wisely with our whole mind and heart, and using the, we use the full resource of the body and all the senses. You see, the doing part of, of our mind... This is really about reaching a goal, like driving to work, getting to work. That's the goal. But in the being mode, we don't have a goal. And this can be very scary for many of you out there, and maybe for you listening as well. The being mode has no goal. There just is. It's very difficult to explain, and I think the rational mind is trying to, to understand it, but it's very difficult to, for the rational mind to understand this. I think this is something that you need to experience for, for, so your body can understand what this is. In the being mode, you don't judge, you don't evaluate things. There's nothing 
right or wrong or it should be or success or failing or good or bad. Those things don't exist in the being mode. Be, you're just, you're being with the way things are. And what happens is that when we're out of control, when we're out of touch with what is happening around us, then these old habitual thoughts, these mental habits, they tend to take over control how we see things and what we do. And this why this is why it's called a mental practice, the mindfulness practice. Because we need to practice this. It's like a muscle that needs to be that needs to be uh, trained over and over again. And if you stop training it, the muscle will 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 get weak and you have to start training it slowly again until it's at full power. And it's the same with my mindfulness practice. It's not something you do once and you think, "Okay, I'm mindful. I'm, I got this now." It's something you need to practice over and over again. The first step is to recognize when you are on the autopilot, when you are reacting automatically and not paying attention on purpose. See, the mind is a wonderful thing. The mind has its own capacity for calm and clear thinking. And I want you to imagine the mind like a glass of muddy water. And if you keep steering it, if you keep it it will keep being cloudy. But if you let it be and simply wait, eventually the mud will settle at the bottom and the water above will be clear and calm. And this is the same way um our mind you can you can picture our mind When we try to force calm or we try to control our thoughts, it's a, it's like we're steering up this muddy water and the mud will 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 cloud the water. So if we could if we could find a way to train our minds to stay focused on one thing or let go of trying it to be in a certain way, then the mud will fall to the bottom and the water will be clear and and your mind will be calm and you'll be better able to focus and to be efficient and to um be live more on purpose i find this topic extremely fascinating uh because of all this so i i when i this glass of muddy water is, is really um another metaphor of of like the shobafor brain that that i used to have and this loud noisy clouded brain and it can be very difficult to make important decisions or really hear what do you want what do you want down deep down when you need to um make a decision or you need to uh i don't know find out something about yourself or what do you think about the situation it can be very difficult to access that resourceful place of you when your mind is muddy if you will you see our mind will always wander i mean we have we have great minds and this is why we're the most evolved species on the planet and and the, the downside is that our mind will wander that's just um a natural way of things so when we are being mindful or meditating 
it's natural that our minds will, will keep wandering and keep thinking about something. But each time our mind wanders, it's an opportunity for us to be aware of it, to, to know what, what are we thinking, what are we feeling in that moment, what's the body sensation. And then we can actually be happy about noticing it and then putting it back, like putting our thoughts back into the present, to thinking about that one thing or to try and, and put the mud at the bottom of the glass. It's an opportunity because each time we know we're aware, each time we notice that our mind has drifted, it's an opportunity to be paying attention on purpose. If you think about it that way, my, a wandering mind is actually a, a good thing. Because when we notice it, we can put it back to present moment. Meditation is something very individual. And I think there are many misconceptions about what meditation is or what meditation should be. Uh, meditation is a mindfulness practice and meditation is very individual. There are many different ways to meditate. There's not one good way or one um, correct way of meditating. Meditation is about being still with your mind and to let that mud uh, calm at the bottom of the glass. That's what meditation is. When we try to meditate according to how other people think we should be meditating or how you've read it in a book or you've, you've seen your neighbor do it and you get frustrated and irritated because this is not how, how you want it to feel or this doesn't work for you and then you, you maybe give up altogether and you, th and you think meditation is not for me. I can't do it. Well, what's happened is that unconsciously you've set a goal for the meditation and the goal is that you have to have as many benefits as your neighbor or be able to meditate as long as, as someone else or that it's supposed to feel a certain way. But what you need to remember is that the being mode of your mind has no goal. There's no goal there. So when you start making a goal for yourself, this is... Um, then you're no longer in the being mode. You're, you, you've gone into the doing mode of the mind. And you're judging. Because if you get frustrated and irritated, it's because you're judging the situation. You're judging yourself for not being good enough or not doing it or, or not being able to do it like, like someone else is. So you're judging. And there's no judgment in the being world. And, and what you can do is to acknowledge this frustration, note it, and gently bring your awareness back to the breath. And then congratulate yourself because you noticed it. You see, there's no failing in meditation. There just is. There just is what is. You know, it's called a meditation practice. Keep practicing. There are many benefits to meditation. For instance, it reduces stress. It promotes emotional health, physical health. It enhances self-awareness. Um, helps your immune system, it improves focus and awareness, helps you sleep, helps you control pain, and improves your blood pressure. So I definitely advocate meditation, but it needs to be your way of meditating. It needs to be something that, that, fits, that fits you and fits your lifestyle. 
and fits somewhere in your life that that it can become sustainable also there's no need to do something that you you know won't last for you right I love this quote that I heard um, or that I read somewhere from someone called Christina Feldman. And she says, mindfulness is neither difficult nor complex, but remembering to be mindful is the great challenge. And this is so, so true. It's a practice. Keep practicing. And I want to leave you with uh, five steps um, that I that I got from a book called The Mindful Way Through Depression. Uh, this is actually the book that made me really understand what mindfulness is and how to bring it into your life every day. And these five steps are, number one is to, when possible, just do one thing at a time. Two, pay full attention to what you're doing. Three, when the mind wanders from what you are doing, bring it back. Number four, repeat steps one to three several billion times. And number five, investigate what it is that keeps distracting you. All right, I hope you've enjoyed learning a little bit more about mindfulness and meditation and Remember to make it your own. Remember to, to congratulate yourself whenever you notice that your mind wanders. This is an opportunity for you to bring it back and to train that muscle. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to, to the podcast to not miss the next one. My name is Anne-Louise, and I'm a biotech engineer by training. I turned in my lab coat to become a certified health coach. Today, I help people just like you deal with stress and anxiety. Living with stress and anxiety is draining and unhealthy and can have devastating consequences if you don't do anything about it. My coaching program helps you listen to your body's signals and find your balance. This way you can feel cool, calm, and healthy. Go to getreal.lu slash calmyourstress to find six quick ways you can calm your stress today. Get real about your well-being because you matter. Bye.